Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I have Kat McIver. Kat is an astrologer and holistic wellness advocate who provides guidance and growth through mindfulness and nutrition. Using astrology, she helps others discover their unique cosmic blueprint and unlock the keys to embodying their most radiant life. This was so fun. Kat reads my birth chart, explains astrology, and gets into all of it. You are going to love it. Here we go. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm super duper excited about this. Of course. I am super excited to be here as well. Talking about awesome. It. Um, so the podcast is called Consciously Clueless, and that name came with this idea of growing and sometimes being like, I've got this. I'm so conscious. I'm so with it. And then those other days where you're like, oh, that's right. I know nothing (laughs) Um, and everything in between. So I really like asking people when they're on, like, where are you at right now on that spectrum from conscious to clueless? Like, what are you feeling? First of all, I love that that's the concept here, because I think it really it's such a great way of kind of making it accessible for people, you know, and helping people understand that like wherever you are on the spectrum, it's okay. It's all part of the journey. Yes. Um, so yeah, great question. Great question. Um, I guess for me, I feel like I am kind of, kind of in the middle right now. I feel pretty balanced Mm. with, um, I feel like there are some aspects of my life that I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm feeling like I understand this a little bit more in terms of how this looks for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely clueless on a lot of different things. Um, one of the things that I'm really diving into more right now personally is, um, nutrition and, um, exploring that more. And it's something Mm -hmm. that for me, I've always been interested in, but I'm, there's so much I don't know. And it's, it's fun <laughs> actually. Like I'm really enjoying the fact that I'm feeling clueless again, even though I feel like I already have a good basis. It's, it's fun to feel like the student. I really enjoy that. So. Yeah. I love that because when I did my yoga teacher training, they talked about always going into things with that beginner's mind. And at first that really ticked me off like that. My ego was like, no, I work hard to know the things I know. And I want to like, be proud of that, which you can, right? Like that's possible. But going in with that cluelessness took me a while to be okay with that. To be like, I don't have to know everything about this. That's why I'm diving into it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I actually, I just recently had a job context that was very much that. Mm. I felt the exact same way where I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know how to do this. Like I've always gone into a job knowing how to do the job because I want to do a good job. And like having that exact same thing, that, that ego hit of like, that's okay. You don't know how to do this, but you don't, you're really, really resistant to the fact that you don't actually know how to do it. And that this is a learning experience. So yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. It's not- yeah. And that reframe of like, oh, how exciting you get to learn something new. You know, that takes some time. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's interesting too, how sometimes it's easier to feel excited about it when it's something you've chosen. Like if you, Mm -hmm. if you're going into something knowing and aware that you're going to have to have that learning curve process, for me, at least I feel like it's, I'm so much more open to it and I'm so much more accepting of it. Where if it's something that you kind of think that your, your expectation is that you already have a level of understanding it's like, for me, that's almost harder where it's like, oh, all of a sudden I'm feeling like 
weird about this again. I'm feeling really resistant to it because I didn't choose the learning experience, you know? So it's, yes, yes. It's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting. (laughs) Oh, I love this. I can already tell this is going to be a great conversation. So (laughs) you are, well, what would, an astrologist? What is the? Yeah. Astrologer, I guess would be the. Astrologer. Sure. I think, yeah, I think astrologist, astrologer whatever those are. Yeah. (laughs) I'm guessing by just, you know, popular culture, a few people listening already are like, oh, that's like super woo woo. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that, like Mm -hmm. there's that automatic, like, oh, so like the stars or. (laughs) Right. So give us what that means. Like what's your elevator speech about being an astrologer? So first off, um, great point. And I was actually one of those people for a really long time. Um, so my background is in science. I'm actually a biologist. And so for me, that's a fun pairing. Yeah. Yeah. Which when we get into the conversation, like I said, I'll give you some examples of how that actually works with my personal astrology, but I was that person, you know, I, I very much from a young age was like, you know, I'm hearing about all this stuff, astrology. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't resonate with it it's super out there. It's just people kind of making excuses for Mm. their choices. And that's a big one that you'll definitely hear a lot of people say like, oh, astrology is basically just the excuse that people use to justify their actions. Mm -hmm. My biggest thing that I have learned for myself is that astrology is a tool. And, you know, basically the way that I look at astrology is it's a, it's a reflection right? So yes, we are looking at the, the placement of the stars at, the, you know, in, at various different points in time and how they are interacting with one another in terms of alignments and, and connections in the sky. Mm-hmm. But if you think of it more as almost a mirror reflection of us as humans, Ooh. it actually becomes a really potent learning tool that we can use to actually learn more about ourselves, to, to see things in a more archetypal way that may help you actually comprehend yourself a little better, comprehend situations better. Um, and for me, that's become the biggest asset really of, of astrology and what really got me hooked into it, I guess, is, is starting to see it as this thing that was actually super useful rather than something that was, that was, you know, an excuse or something to tell right. you what to do with your day at any given point. Like if you want to use it for that, that is what it is. But for me, it's like, this is actually something that we can use to understand ourselves at a much deeper level. And that in a lot of ways, I think can help people have more compassion for themselves on their learning journey. So I love that you started with, Ooh. with that ego difference, you know, when we're, when we're on the learning journey, there is so much of that that comes up for us individually in different blocks and, and having that oscillation between feeling excited and feeling scared and, and frustrated. And that's something that astrology can really help you understand and break down in a way that's not accusatory. It's not in any way um, something that you have affected it, but it's something that for me, I see it as like your, your blueprint settings. And if you can understand that through astrology, you know, that gives you an amazing tool. Yeah. I really love the imagery you gave about the mirror reflection because I Mm. love that imagery that helps me. And I think of this, you know, this beautiful reflection from the sky. First of all, that, that almost brought tears to my eyes because that is I'm getting chills. You saying it. (laughs) Yeah. That is a beautiful way. But the word that came up for me when you were talking was validating. Like it's validating yeah. of the things we experience or the things we do and not in a way in an 
an excuse, right? Like you said, but just in this like, oh, this is, this is a part of my makeup. It makes sense I respond to these situations that way or this or, or whatever it is. I like the idea because yeah. that's what it's become for me too, is this tool, you know, and I joke like, okay, that was the full moon's fault, obviously. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> that's valid. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And this is where I think it gets confusing for people, right? Because there are a lot of cases where you're like, oh no, I can see the direct correlation between these two things happening. But yes. like you said, to be able to recognize that and not use it to enable, but just to, to validate, to understand, to have compassion for, right. and then move forward with that, you know? And I like, for me, it's been fun to see it as like, not only a tool, but a playful tool, you yeah. know, not this guideline that I, not a regimen or a, something to live and die by, but just this like playful tool to add in makes it it's fun to think of it for me for that way yeah absolutely and that's how I feel as well you know it's it's something that you can and the more you can see it like that the more you can see it as something that's fun to explore um something mm -hmm. that's fun to experiment with and see what resonates for you and what doesn't that's absolutely the way to view it you know coming into it with just that kind of very curious um perspective is definitely definitely great Oh, I love all this. So I have never had my birth chart read. I know like my moon, sun and rising, and I know a little bit about them, but not much. I've been diving in. I always joke about being like a Pisces through and through, <laughs> but I, <Yep. laughs> I, um, I have, I looked at my birth chart once. I think I like found one of those online places where you can put it in and see things. And then I saw mm -hmm. it and I was very intimidated and I closed it. And that was the last thing I did because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't know what that means. So um, but I'm very excited. So you've looked at my stuff mm -hmm. and maybe have some, some insight to share. This is very exciting. So yeah. how does, how does a reading work too? I mean, this is, I guess, to explain for people, we're going to kind of walk through my birth chart and, um, maybe if you don't mind, like, what does that mean? Like, what is a birth chart? And then, yeah. um, what does a reading of it mean? Yeah, absolutely. So Great place to start. So with the birth chart, what that means is it's literally a snapshot of where the various planets were at the time of your birth. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we look for in and, and ask from a client, from a, an individual when we're running a birth chart, it's also can be called a natal chart. Um, mm. So those terms are interchangeable. Um, so we ask for the date of your birth, um, where you were born. So typically the city and state or city and country. And if you know at the time of your birth um, and all those things, if you think about why that's necessary, basically where you are on the planet and the time that you were born, things are going to look different in the sky because mm -hmm. the earth is rotating, right? So mm -hmm. we're, we're moving constantly. So for example, if you're born on a specific day at a specific time in California, somebody born on that specific day at that specific time in the UK will have a slightly different birth chart. Mm. Um, and some of these things actually move very rapidly. So like, for example, your, your moon placement, mm -hmm. the moon placement changes every couple of days. Right. So what's it's in, what zodiac sign it's in changes every couple of days. So that's, that's the basically what makes up your birth chart is we ask for those, um, those pieces of information from you. Um, and basically, like I said, that chart is a reflection of 
what the sky was like. It's literally a snapshot of your birth time when you entered this world in physical form. That is what the sky looked like at that time. Mm. So that is your reflective pattern, right? If we're going to use that analogy. Yeah. Um, and basically what that can, can tell you and why it's really important to, to look at your birth chart is, as I said, for me, that the way that I like to phrase it for people is that's kind of your blueprint settings. So this is sort of your base tendencies. These are your perhaps um, indications of what you are like as a person um, on just a completely innate level. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a whole lot of free will that goes into shaping what that looks like in reality for you. But the other cool thing with the birth chart is it can also give some really great indications of maybe potential difficulties or points of tension that might be um, coming up for you in your life or areas that maybe flow really easily for you as well. So it can give a really nice indication of just on an innate level, level what are your settings and Mm -hmm. what settings are maybe very free flowing for you and very easy and what settings have a tendency to break down or have a tendency to get clogged or, you know, it's, um, so it's a really, really great way to just begin to look at your own astrology. Um, and I think for a lot of people, they start exploring their own astrology through horoscopes, right? So you're mm-hmm. looking at your, totally. what's called your star sign, which is actually your sun sign. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one of the things we'll talk about today is how the different planets actually interact in your birth chart um, mm-hmm. and in your astrology. But it's, that was where I like, personally, that was what really turned me off to astrology is because oh, I was looking, I was looking at my star sign and I'm like, oh, I'm reading horoscopes and I'm like, oh, these just don't resonate for me. Like none of this is making Mm. sense to me. None of this feels like it's me, quote unquote, you know. Which would totally Um, make you be like, this stuff isn't real. Like if this is supposed to be me and it feels nothing like me, then why would I pay attention to this? Right, exactly. You just kind of write it off. It just, like you said, it becomes this thing. Just, oh, that's just made up. That's just people being woo woo, whatever they're doing. Right. Um, So like I said, that's where when you actually then look at your birth chart and go through your birth chart with an astrologer, that's where you know, as we'll do with yours today, that's where you can start to break down some of these other planetary placements. Um, We can look at the house system, which is another really important aspect of astrology that that was for me where it really started to click into place is once you add in the concept of houses in your in your birth chart. Um, And then we'll look at the different signs. Obviously, everyone Mm -hmm. has all 12 signs in their birth chart. So the 12 signs being Aries through Pisces. Right. Um, everybody has all of those things in their chart. And it just depends on if you have planets in those signs, or if you have certain aspects going on, they might be more important in your day to day life. Um, but that's the other really cool thing is that it's incredibly inclusive. When you think about the fact that we all have those 12 things, everyone can relate to one or, you know, one aspect of each sign in different ways. Right. And how that impacts you, how that is expressed depends on your specific chart. But it's just it's a really great way to kind of build those bridges between people as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I love that. I never thought of it like that. Like we all have a little bit of every sign. So there's connection points with every single person. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing, right, is when you can understand your base settings, not only can you understand and work with yourself a lot better, but you start to you start to handle your relationships to other people differently as well, where mm-hmm. you start to like, okay, I'm, my tendency is to do this. I'm now aware of that tendency. So when I'm interacting with this type of person, 
I'm aware that that tendency maybe is going to be really resistant to them, or they're going to be really affronted by me approaching something in this way, because that is jarring for them, you know, and you can start to kind of existentialize a little bit and look at your interactions with all kinds of other people and situations and contexts in a really, a, a much broader sense. So before we dive in to my stuff, I want to circle back because I got so excited about my birth chart that I forgot a question <laughs> I was going to ask you is how you got into astrology personally. That oh, was gotcha. going to be one of my first questions, <laughs> but I was like, my birth chart. <laughs> right. I can't wait. I'm too excited. <laughs> so excited. Um, yeah, absolutely. So for me, like I said, I was definitely not into astrology at all. I think it's something that I feel like there was always part of me that had it on my radar. So mm-hmm. I guess, I guess I was always interested in it, even when that interest was to disregard it really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess for me, it probably was about 10 years ago now. Um, okay. So I am 32. So yeah, it was probably about 2022 um, when I first really started to dive into astrology more and started to understand the impact that it could have on my life personally. So for mm-hmm. me, it did start personally where I don't really remember if there was if there was anything that was particularly pushing me in that direction. I feel like I just kind of started reading more things. I just things just started to come up on the radar for me mm-hmm. about parts of astrology. Like, oh, what's your moon sign? I'm like, wait, what? There's a moon sign? Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just my star sign. Like, what are you talking about? What does that yes. mean? And I'm I'm a natural, like I said, I'm a scientist. I'm naturally a very curious person. Mm. And I love learning. Like I love diving into topics and learning about them and understanding them more deeply. So that was kind of my rabbit hole into astrology was just like these little tidbits of information that I'd see. And I'm like, what is that? What does that even mean? And the more research I did, the more reading, I started watching YouTube videos on it and, and looking at different, you know, different astrology readers on YouTube and reading a bunch of different articles. And the more I started learning about it, the more I started to uncover this whole other world that I was not even aware of. And all these other aspects that makes up an astrology chart. And that was where it really started to make more sense to me where it's like, oh, well, of course, if you're not just talking about one individual thing, you're talking about all these different things combined. Oh, that actually starts to make more logical sense as to why this can be so, you know, so much of a blueprint for an individual, you know. Yeah. Um, cause that was another thing that I always had a hard time with is someone saying, well, okay. So I, my, my son is in Leo, right? So mm-hmm. someone saying like, oh, you're a Leo. Me too. I'm a Leo as well. I'm like, oh, that's great. And then interacting with that person and feeling like, but we're so different. Mm. How, how, <laughs> how can this even be a real thing if we're yeah. both quote unquote Leos, but we're totally different people. Yes. Um, so that disconnect for me was, was really based around not understanding all the different aspects that go into the, the chart. Um, so yeah, it was a very gradual, gradual process. Um, and just kind of over the years, I just kept wanting to know more and kept wanting to know more. Um, and yeah, you know, started basically just, I guess my, my role as an actual astrologer really just started with interacting with friends and having conversations and like, Oh, have you ever looked at this? Have you ever, you know, looked at your chart? And they're like, no, I don't even know what that means. Right. Like, it can be very <laughs> overwhelming to just see this circle with all these symbols. And it's like, I don't know what any of this is. Um, and when you, when you actually can break it down, it's, it's for most people it's very intuitive actually, but the, the imagery of it can be a little off-putting. So yeah, kind of a very natural process, I guess, but also well, thank one you that, for yeah. 
sharing that because I love the I think it's so interesting the juxtaposition of this biologist astrologer I just love that I think it's so cool to right? see all the <laughs> intersections and all the different ways that um people can come to this practice yeah absolutely and that's like I said that that, that has been one of the biggest things for me is just seeing it as something that is reflective, seeing it as something that is a learning tool, that's a healing tool that can be incredibly, like you, like you, I love your word validating. Like it can, mm-hmm. it can really give you so much more opportunity to grow into yourself. That's one of my biggest things as an astrologer is to help people understand that like, you don't have to be any kind of way to access the learning tool that astrology is. Like you just have to have the information. You don't have to be into all these other things if it's not comfortable for you, if it doesn't resonate. You can be exactly who you are and still learn and grow and have access to that toolkit from whatever access you want, you know? I love that. I love that. Beautiful. So let's dive in. Are you ready to dive into your chart, Carly? Yes, I'm very ready. Okay, perfect. So I just want to, there's a few things that I want to just go through real quick, just so that we don't lose people on the way. Cause this is, it's, it's intuitive, but equally there are some kind of base building blocks of astrology that is very helpful to at least grasp what we're talking about before we start. (laughs) So pretty much if you, and I'll do it too, if people wanted to at home, if you want to look up your birth chart at home, you can just, there's a ton of great web resources where you can just type into Google free astrology birth chart okay and there's a host of websites that come up that you basically you input those pieces of information so your location of birth your date of birth and your time of birth if you know it Mm -hmm. um and they will generate your birth chart for you so if you have a a favorite one maybe you can share and i can put it in the show notes yeah i mean cafe astrology is great um they give you a lot of information also um chani nicholas yeah, um, her her website is I actually would recommend that one in the sense that that's a little bit easier to look at when you don't have any context. The Cafe Astrology one's great, but there's a they give you a lot of information. So that's so funny because Chani Nichols, that's who I, I've followed for her for a long time and love her yeah. and get her emails. And I believe it was Cafe Astrology that I went on and started looking at things and that I was like, abort Ooh, mission. This right. is scary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love, um, I have, I have Chani's app as well. So that's also just, oh, just yeah. a little plug for that. It's really great. Um, but yeah, I just love the way that she kind of on the way that hers is visualized. It just, it's a little bit more. It's approachable. Accessible. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so like great. I said, if people want to look up their, their birth chart at home as well, um, then you can kind of look and we can, we can talk a little bit about these things. Um, and you can have some context for yourself too. So one of the first things that you'll see, you'll get a circle, basically. What comes up is is a a circle and how you read this circle, this is basically, so this is, like I said, this is the snapshot of the sky at the time that you were born. That's what Mm -hmm. your circle is showing you. Um, And it will show you the various different zodiac signs. um, And if you have your birth time, that's one of the reasons that the birth time is, is super important, is that shows you where your ascendant point is um and that's literally the point that was on like on the eastern horizon at your time of birth so that also that changes every two hours or so it's it's very dependent on time um so again like i could be born on the same day in the same in the same place as somebody and have a different ascendant sign right because i was born in the evening they were born say first thing in the morning right um 
And why that's important is that that actually, your ascendant point is where we start counting your, the astrological houses from. Okay. So there are 12 houses in astrology, just as there are 12 zodiac signs. Um, so it's houses one through 12. So we have all of them. And your mm -hmm. first house starts at the point of your ascendant. Okay. Um, and that's, again, some people don't know the time of their birth and that's okay. Um, you can still get a lot of really valuable information, even if you don't have that. But if you do, that truthfully was one of the major points at where I started to appreciate astrology. Is oh, interesting. Your, your ascendant is, um, just to kind of dive into that part real quick, the ascendant is, like I said, also known as your first house. And that is kind of how you present yourself to the world. Um, it's very much about your, uh, I guess, like kind of how you project yourself um, okay. and, and what you like people to, to view you as. It can also have a little bit to do with your actual, you know, physical appearance as well. Okay. Um, so for me, my ascendant is Aquarius, which is very much mm -hmm. about Aquarius is kind of the scientist. Aquarius mm -hmm. is the, you know, the philosopher scientist is kind of how I like to say it. But, um, you know, Aquarius is very concerned with uh, the traits of Aquarius, I should say, are very concerned with kind of global change and, you know, humanity as a, as a whole and kind of the externalized context. So for me, understanding that like, oh, that's actually my first house. That's, that's my sense of self. Interesting. Scientist brain who wants to externalize, who wants to extrapolate everything and understand all the different pieces of it. All of a sudden that started to make a lot more sense in context of my Leo sun placement. And mm. I could start to actually really understand like, oh, now all of a sudden this does start to make sense to me in terms right. of how I view myself. Um, so that's where the, like knowing your time of birth will allow you to calculate what your ascendant point is. And then we basically count the houses out from that point. Okay. Um, so when you're looking at your circle, so if I'm just going to pull up your birth chart, Carly, on my computer here. Um, so you'll see if you're looking at your birth chart, that's a circle, you actually will start your ascendant point is typically, if you think of it as a clock face, your ascendant point is at the nine o'clock okay. point. And we read the chart counterclockwise. So you're going down, up, and around, basically, to meet back at that ascendant point. So you're counting okay. your houses, one, two, three, like different points on the clock. Um, looking at Carly's birth chart. So, mm. right. So over here is a clock point and that's, that's your ascendant point right there. Okay. And so, like I said, you're going to be reading the chart. You can see these different markings on here indicate where the different houses are placed basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and you read the chart by going counterclockwise around it. Okay. Um, and so the houses in astrology basically give you kind of the where, so we're going to break this down. So the houses are where things are happening, basically okay. the context, right? So like I already yeah. said, your first house is going to be that the first little wedge that you can see there. And like I said, that's kind of your sense of self. That's how you project your, your sense of self out to the world, the mask that you wear to the outer world. Um, and then the second house is going to, if we go counterclockwise is going to be down here. The third house is going to be next, like, and so on. Got it. And each of these houses corresponds to different contexts of life basically okay um and we'll go through those as we go through your chart okay uh, and then each of these houses you can see if you're looking at your birth chart will have a little glyph inside of it and that just represents the zodiac sign so because this can get a little congested typically we use glyphs and symbols to represent right. 
the zodiac signs or the planets. So that's where, again, it can be extremely disorienting if you don't know what you're looking at. You're like, oh, there's all these weird symbols and they're all like, there's the lines and I don't know what I'm looking at. Yes. Um, so your first house is in the sign of Libra. Mm-hmm. So that's what this little, you know, your little symbol over here is a sign of Libra. And so then we count the houses, we keep going around the zodiac in order. So your second house would then be the next sign, which is a sign of Scorpio. Okay. The third house would be the, the sign after Scorpio, which is Sagittarius and so on. Okay. So you can see if, if you're, so for example, my ascendant point is Aquarius. So I would be starting the counting of my houses at Aquarius. And so oh, my second okay. house would be Pisces. So you see, so it can actually, yep. actually make a huge difference in terms of the context of where your, you know, where your planets are, are placed. Totally. The context is going to be different depending on your ascendant. Um, so then the sign, so like I said, your first house, which is the context. So we're talking right now about how you present to the world, your sense of self, what that means to you is in the sign of Libra. Mm-hmm. So the sign is basically the how, right? So this is how those things are actually expressed for you. Hmm. So Libra would be how you express your sense of self or how you express yourself to the world, how you project yourself to the world. Okay. Um, so in this context, um, so the sign of Libra is all about balance. Libra is, um, if anyone is, is also interested in tarot, Libra is actually represented by the justice card. Um, and it's really, there was so many things about your chart, Carly. It was hilarious when I was going through it and I'm like, oh, yep, this sounds like this would really resonate. And it sounds like this part would resonate. (laughs) super fun as an astrologer to be like, Ooh, I can already see how this is like making sense. Um, but you know, Libra is all about the balance. It is all about social justice, about fairness, um, equality. Mm -hmm. And in a, in a way that is objective, you know, that's the really cool thing with, with Libra is it's, it's this sense of fairness, this sense of, of just moral justice that is not necessarily linked to an emotion per se. Mm. It's a more objective ability to look at the situation as it is and say, this is, you know, this is what the situation should be. Yeah. So really cool. You know, that's a really interesting one to then have as your first house. Um, and like I said, first house can also correspond to your physical appearance in some ways. So, um, typically people who have a Libra ascendant or rising is also called the rising sign. Those, so those two terms are interchangeable. Um, but they typically are seen as very attractive to other people, regardless of what you think of yourself. People who have a Libra ascendant are typically seen as very attractive people. Um, Interesting. Visually. Yeah. Which is really cool um and are like have very balanced features that's another weird thing with libra ascendants it's like they almost always have very balanced facial features which is really interesting i'll try um, and remember that when i'm feeling right see there you go confident like okay well <laughs> right this is this is the mask that i wear um so and then like i said the if you have then planets in any of these houses right Mm -hmm. so let's move on to your second house because you do have a planet right here okay um so your second house is scorpio Mm -hmm. and you have pluto in scorpio here um so when you have a planet in a in a particular sign that tends to mean that you there's a little bit more emphasis on that sign Mm, um so like i said we have all 12 zodiac signs in our birth chart each one of us does Right. If you have, like, for example, in your birth chart, you have a, several houses um, kind of in the later houses that don't have any planets in them at all. Right. 
So while those are still going to resonate with you in terms of the context of your life, you don't have a planet in there to put emphasis on it. Okay. So it's something that may feel a little more subtle to you, or it may feel a little bit more of just a broad sense of something versus feeling very strongly connected to it. Got it. Same. Um, so that's where the planets just are kind of an accent point. They, they provide the what. So they provide basically the type of energy okay. that is showing up in that particular sign. So Pluto, for example, for you having Pluto in Scorpio in your second house. So the second house is all to do with um, our assets, our resources, our physical resources, as well as our um, emotional resources to some degree. Um, and our, our work are kind of like daily day-to-day -day grind and okay. how you make money. Um, in the sign of Scorpio, which is all about depth and intimacy and the kind of shadow side of things, Scorpios love to go deep into kind of get into the layers of things. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of correlation in astrology between, um, uh, like the, the Greek gods and mm. their quote unquote traits. So, um, that goes for like the planets and the, the signs themselves, but uh, the planet Pluto in, in mythology was the ruler of the underworld. Ooh. <laughs> and so Pluto, yeah, Pluto is actually the ruling planet of Scorpio. So oh, wow. they are basically, so, so Pluto is basically in its home sign effectively in Scorpio for you. So that's just going to accentuate both the traits of Scorpio, but also the traits of Pluto, which are all about regeneration and death and rebirth and huge, like, you know, life-changing transformations. Um, those really, you know, really deep parts of our, ourselves that are maybe a little bit difficult to look at, but when we actually start to delve into them, we realize are the most transformative parts. So what is the ruling of the underworld mean for my physical assets <laughs> okay so for you with having pluto and scorpio that's actually so the outer if you think about where the planets are placed in relation to earth the closer to earth the planets are the, the kind of quicker the rotation around the earth right so mm, some of the yeah. outer planets obviously pluto being the farthest away takes a really long time to actually orbit all the way around the earth and therefore it takes a really long time for it to change zodiac signs as well so Pluto and Scorpio, that placement is actually more of a gener what we call a generational placement. So there okay. are going to be basically a whole generation of people like I have my Pluto and Scorpio as well. Okay. So it's interesting. It, it's almost more of a, um, of a generational trend in a lot of ways. But for you having that be your second house placement, um, it's actually in a lot of ways a really positive thing because it's, it's something that means that you are very open to accessing different forms of income that might be uncomfortable for other, for other people, or you can actually dig a little deeper to find resources in places that people just wouldn't look, know to look even. Hmm. So it gives you, it gives you almost like a keener insight in that sense to find those resources and to access those resources for yourself. Um, I would also say for this, this is, can sometimes be an indication of a career path. Um, the second house is more our day-to-day -day work. So not everybody chooses to pursue their career um, as their day-to-day -day pursuit, you know, for, right. for a lot of people, they have a regular job and then they have their kind of career path. Right. Um, but in terms of how you make money, you know, this is something where to me immediately, I'd be looking at this and saying, okay, well, psychology would be a really great way for you to, to make money. Anything that's like the healing arts would be another thing where you have to dive deeper into those 
shadow aspects of other people. And the really cool thing with, I have a lot of uh, Scorpio friends <laughs> um, <laughs> and I love it because it's there, there's such a, an openness to Scorpios where they're so, it's almost like they've seen everything, nothing shocks them. So, you know, when you're talking to that person, you feel incredibly safe because everything you say will be accepted as it is. Mm. Um, and there's also a really great ability that Scorpios have to find ways to push people to, to look at their own shadow side a little bit more and to learn how to come to terms with their shadow side. So, like I said, for you, that you all know, tracks, really, I was going to say <laughs> yeah. like, for you, how does that, how does that sit? Like, does that make sense to you in your life? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I've worked um, it's funny when you said social justice for Libra, my master's is a ju- uh, master's in social responsibility. Oh, so, <laughs> um, but I felt like I needed to like connect all of my worlds a little bit because I was teaching yoga and doing this kind of body stuff. And then I was working as an advocate for survivors of sexual assault and dating violence. And that was all, you know, a lot of mind work. And I just felt this disconnect between mind body So Mm -hmm. now I'm working to grow this small business where I do yoga and nutrition and new moon circles, but also write. And so it like feels very like looking for different ways of making money and resources and the healing, but also the like playfulness of Mm -hmm. it too. And the fun part, I don't know, all of that. And when you said the, the shadow side, I was like, I was feeling bad for everyone I've dated basically (laughs) when you said you seem to bring out like the things people need to work on themselves I'm like yeah yeah and that's the thing it's beautiful and it's it's an incredible gift but it can be really interesting when you then look at that in context of your relationship to others right yes and you can start to see where okay understanding that I have like there I have a lot of power in that aspect of my of my chart there's a lot of weight there for me yeah that's something that, you know, and I would imagine, especially in, in business, you probably have a really great way of really getting to the bottom of things with people and kind of circumventing the fluff, if you want mm-hmm. to, to get to like, okay, what is the issue here? And doing it, again, that's the beauty of having Libra as your ascendant, doing it in a tactful way, mm-hmm. in a way that's very, you know, very polite and very appropriate, but still being able to really get to the heart of the issue very quickly. Um, Sometimes I feel like I, I, pull things out of people not intentionally almost like people are people I will say something to someone and you know someone seems like oh my gosh I didn't realize that and I'm like what that was just I I don't know I was just trying to help like I didn't mean to rock your world (laughs) you know what I mean sorry not sorry (laughs) yeah like I did I wasn't I wasn't you know this wasn't a therapy session I didn't I don't know but that's so interesting Yep. And that also, I mean, that to me also corresponds a lot with your sun placement in Pisces. Um, Because as you said, you have a, you have a a sun in Pisces, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And you also have your mercury placement is in Pisces. Okay. Um, So mercury placement is basically the, how you communicate, right? So the planet of mercury is like how you interact with people, how you communicate with others, how you use technology, for example. It's very much the immediate learning, the immediate communication one-on-one. So is Uh, that when people, that's why when people talk about Mercury retrograde, there's always like watch out for technology issues? Yeah. So that's why, that's where that comes from is because that is, 
Yeah. So Mercury, you know, again, we, we have this way of saying like Mercury rules these things, right? And that's just a way of saying it seems to reflect very well on these specific things. There seems to be a correlation with what Mercury is doing and what these specific areas of life are doing as well. Got it. Um, so when I say that, that's what that's kind of meaning. But yeah, basically Mercury rules like technology devices, how the, how the flow of communication is affected, right? So that's another right. thing when people say like, currently actually Mercury went re- retrograde yesterday. <laughs> so, um, you know, how communication flows can be impacted. Literally you can find like, you're, you may find yourself tripping over your words during Mercury retrograde. And it's seen as being this really terrible thing and everyone kind of, it's the one thing that even if you're not into astral, <laughs> everybody seems to know about, which is really yeah. funny to me. Um, all Mercury retrograde means is that Mercury is actually slightly closer to the earth. Okay. Um, and it doesn't actually go, the planet doesn't move backwards. It just, if you can see it in the sky, it actually appears to be moving backwards just because of how it is in like where it's located in relation to earth. Oh, okay. Um, but energetically, so this is the other thing with astrology is there is a lot of kind of energetic components to it, which is why I like to think of it more as a mirroring, right? Because Mm -hmm. your energy, it's not necessarily the planet doing the thing. It's more like energetically, I feel that in a very reflective kind of way. Um, so when Mercury is closer to the earth, energetically, it's more potent. So those things are more likely to be affected. Um, and then if it's appearing to go backwards, like I said, that that's more about, you know, we always kind of talk about Mercury retrograde being a time to revise and rethink things and Mm -hmm. redo things if necessary. And it's actually a really amazing time to go back over, um, things that you may have done, things that you may have put in place. And it gives you an opportunity to reevaluate those things and find the flaws in them or find things that just Mm. aren't working and remake them and redo them in a different way moving forward. So it's actually really cool. But like you said, you may, you may have issues with technology. You may find (laughs) that like, you know, you're, you're, I forget, I think it was a couple of years ago and there was a mercury retrograde period where I would just get stuck behind every slow driver. (laughs) <laughs> every time, every time I was on the road, I would be behind a slow driver, and I'm like, "Wow, this is serious." Okay, <laughs> guess my lesson is to slow down. But um, you know, like you said, it's, it's when you can start looking at it as more of a of a lesson learning process and yeah. a way to, a way to work with energy, a way to work with your own energy. Okay, uh, it's less scary. <laughs> totally. Um, so yeah, like I said, going back to you, kind of feeling like you pull information out of people. Um, having a Mercury placement in Pisces, um, Pisces is a very, so the other thing about Zodiac signs too, before we, before we get too far into this is that there are different, um, every, every Zodiac sign corresponds to one of three elements or sorry, one of four elements, excuse me. So the elements are air, fire, water, and earth. Um, and within the Zodiac, there are three signs that correspond to each element. So Mm -hmm. Aries, Leo, and Sagittarius are all fire signs. Um, Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn are all earth signs. Uh, Gemini, Libra, and I'm going to forget the third one. That's terrible. Aquarius, my rising sign. There we go. Um, Are all the air signs. And um, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces are all water signs. Okay. Um, so each of the elements is kind of self-explanatory, right? This is where right. it actually gets very intuitive where, okay, Pisces is a water sign. Um, 
And Pisces is also what's called a mutable water sign. So they're, they're the four different elements and what's called three modalities. So we have cardinal signs, fixed signs, and mutable signs. Okay. And to me, it's, it's helpful to think about those almost like the seasons. So the cardinal signs are the initiators. They are the, the shift into the new season. They're going to bring okay. new season in. The fixed signs are what kind of roots that season down. They're like the height of any particular season. Okay. Um, can be, again, very fixed energy, very kind of stubborn sometimes or stoic. And then the mutable signs are the changeable signs. So they're okay. the move from one season to the next. So Pisces being a mutable water sign is something that like Pisces in general are very, very good at intuitively getting at the underlying story from other people. And for you having both your sun and Mercury placement in Pisces, there's a lot of weight in Pisces for you, right? Having that context of Pisces, um, Pisces being kind of the how you express your sun sign, how you express your Mercury sign. And for you, it's actually in your, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's in your sixth house. Um, so that's your house of work and health. So another mm. really cool thing <laughs> is that for you, you probably find that in the context of work and or health, which are things that you have brought together, this is a, this is a way that you are feeling called to help people, a way that you're feeling called to communicate with people is through the world of health and um bringing that Piscean aspect to that intuitive health, you know, ways that you can heal yourself, ways that you can think about your world in a more holistic way. Pisces is often seen as being very dreamy. And that typically is just because they have this beautiful ability to see beyond walls. They can see beyond the kind of norm of things and see how everything fits together as a whole. Oh, you just for some stomach drop. <laughs> Oh, yay. Yay. That's exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, Pisces in general, I just, I find it's such a fascinating sign because it, it really, it can be very nebulous depending on, again, depending on where Pisces falls in your chart. And if you have planets in Pisces, it can be very nebulous. It can be very um, scatterbrained sometimes because there's so many kind of diffuse thoughts happening all the time. But the really beautiful thing about Pisceans is that they have this very deep artistic core and this deep need to help humanity on some level. And so for some people that comes through art and they help humanity through expressing themselves through their art um, and speaking for people in that way. Um, Pisces in general also with that, that water element to it is like I said, it's very intuitive, it's very emotional. And so you probably, even though you don't think that you're doing it when you're communicating with people, you probably have a very intuitive way of understanding what it is that they're, they're needing to speak about or what they're really trying to get at. And to you, it just feels like they start talking about this stuff when you weren't even trying to go there. And yet you probably very subtly were actually subconsciously picking up on their energy and feeling what they actually wanted to talk about. And then like, okay, hey, did you want to talk about this? Go for it, you know, and giving them then that platform to express themselves. And so it becomes this really beautiful conduit that is so healing and can be so um, soft, you know, with that water mm -hmm. element, it can be Pisces and often a very nurturing sign in the sense that it's just, it's so accepting and provides that, that just freedom and space for people to be who they are, you know? So having this, both the sun, which is more to do with your 
your life purpose, your life energy and Mercury in Pisces for you is very much about, you know, something that's important to you, which is health and healing and Mm -hmm. healing people in all those different ways. And having that communication planet there as well is such a great combination. And also to have something like a podcast, you know, where you're using the airwaves, you're using communication, exactly, (laughs) to express something that's really important to you. Does that relate to, so I've learned as I've gotten older to protect my energy, which I feel like is such a buzz phrase, but is so crucial because I didn't realize how sometimes I act like a sponge and soak other people's energy up. And then I forget to like wring myself out. Yeah, <laughs> And absolutely. I think that I had a hard time with that. Cause I, you know, let's say working with survivors, it took me a long time to realize just cause I'm good at being an advocate doesn't mean it's good for me. Cause yeah. I was beginning to have a hard time separating their stories from my own and it was really taxing. So that's why I tried to figure out these other ways to do healing that um, didn't have that effect on me because I couldn't figure out how to not have that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's something that is, I mean, it happens to everybody in certain ways, but it's something that is a real issue for Pisceans for sure. Um, and it's, it's funny cause I actually had that in my notes for your chart is that like, you know, off, may often find that you are an emotional sponge and it's hard to know <laughs> what's yours and what's somebody else's. Uh. And that's, and it's thing it, it's, it's, this is where, again, it becomes the learning process, right? So for you now, knowing this and saying like, okay, I have found that this is a huge issue for me and I need to learn how to deal with that issue. Knowing that you have your sun placement and your mercury placement in Pisces Mm -hmm. is a tool that you can now use and say like, okay, I know I feel more validated in myself knowing that I, I do have a tendency to do this and I understand why. How now can I then use that to like, exactly as you said, how can you use that to still do what's important to you and express what's important to you, but in a way that is less of a sponge making effect for you, that you're less directly responsible for somebody else's energy or feeling like you are. Um, And so that's exactly what what you can use this toolkit for, right? Is to, to look at those parts of your life where you're like, man, I feel like this always happens or this, there's this recurring theme that just keeps happening and happening. And I don't know how to work with it. And once you start to understand some of these basic elements of your chart, you can start to really, again, maybe see why there's that recurring theme in the first place, but also Mm -hmm. that becomes part of your learning. And especially having your sun placement in Pisces, like I said, the sun placement is actually, which is something I didn't really know for a long time. It's that's kind of your life path. Like the sun is really your life energy, but that evolves with you over time, right? So Mm. a lot of times we find that as we get older, especially if you are trying to be more of a conscious person and and get to know yourself better, you may find that you actually start to resonate with your sun sign more as you get older in terms of like the positive sides of the sun sign. Okay. so like for me and being a son in Leo, like I said, when I was younger, I really didn't resonate with that a lot because what you hear about the sign of Leo <laughs> is that it's really boisterous and, and brash and like loves to be the center of attention and craves attention. And everyone has to look at me. And I was the shy kid in school who was very bookish and like mm. hated being the center of attention, you know, so I'm reading all this stuff and there are certain elements that I could under, I could, you know, resonate with, but 
like, man, this just isn't me. And as I've gotten older, I realized, okay, I don't want to be the center of attention in that way, but I, I really appreciate when people listen to me. So I don't necessarily do it in the way that it's, you know, written about in like a horoscope or something, but I can see that aspect in myself that, okay, I don't crave attention, but if someone's talking with me, yes, I do want their full attention when they're talking to me, you know? So it's like things like that, where you can start to resonate with different aspects as you grow and as you get older. Um, So the other thing I want to talk about quickly is that you mentioned that you started exploring things like your moon sign. Mm-hmm. Um, so the moon sign is actually really important. That is the moon in your chart represents your emotional and physical needs, right? So this can be how you process emotions, how you deal with emotions, um, how you want people to deal with your emotions. Um, and so your moon placement is in your third house, which is the third house represents communication. Um, so the third house corresponds to Mercury, right? So you're seeing the correspondence here of, uh, planets and houses. Mm -hmm. So the third house is all about communication, siblings as well. Um, and kind of, again, your sort of day-to-day routine and your moon sign is in your third house. So that's your context for the moon. And it's in the Zodiac sign of Sagittarius. So Sagittarius is a mutable fire sign right? So it's uh, Sagittarius is kind of the sign of the philosopher. It's the, the never-ending student. It's the sign that rules travel, right? So travel uh, and exploration and yep. learning new things and finding new pathways. It's also a sign that can be very strongly associated with um, either esoteric or mainstream religion, um, mm. that kind of more, more um, life-based learning, you know, where it's, you, you want to understand how to be a better person, Yes. Um, so having your emotional ruled planet, your, your moon sign in the sign of Sagittarius, um, to me right away, that kind of indicates that emotionally, you maybe like to have a little bit of space, like you, you process emotions very deeply, but putting too much emphasis on that or having that be get, get a little bit too sticky is, is something that feels very uncomfortable. Um, this can also really indicate that a good way for you to process your emotions is to get outside, to be active outside, to move around, um, to have, so again, being the yoga teacher, right. Have that physical movement that is still very spiritually based in a lot of ways. So it's aligned movement, but it's still active movement. Um, and so you might find that that is actually a really, really helpful way for you to process emotions. Mm -hmm. Um, and is that is that resonating (laughs) yeah yes oh my god yes absolutely cool so yeah I mean that's the thing so the moon sign is like I said it changes every couple of days or so um and the moon itself is changeable right the moon itself goes through all the different phases every month it's probably one of the most changeable planets in terms of moods quote unquote Mm -hmm. so again how it how it emotionally or energetically affects us um, is wherever your moon is placed, you know, you may find that you are a little bit more moody and that in that realm, you know, you may find that you, you just, you require different things at different times, or, you know, I wanted to do it this way, but now I feel called to do it this other way, or I don't want to handle it like that today. I want to do it different. Um, so in, in addition to your, like I said, your emotional needs physically, you may find that you want to change up that area of your life. So you find for yourself, 
Okay, you maybe want to communicate in, in many different ways. And how you choose to communicate depends on the day. You know, it, it, yes. today I'm feeling called to write a blog post. Today I'm feeling called to like physically call somebody or yes. have a conversation in person. And other days that just doesn't feel good. Um, so again, learning how to work with your moon sign is super important. And that's one that really can be hugely impactful on your relationship with other people and understanding that maybe, you know, that is something that is what feels emotionally good to you or emotionally safe for you. Um, learning how to express that, first of all, especially in a romantic or a familial relationship to express to someone like, look, emotionally, this is what I, this is what I need, or this is how it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I need more space than you're giving me emotionally. Um, that that's what makes me feel good. I don't want to feel trapped in this way. Um, cause you know, Sagittarius is hugely expansive. You know, they need that wide open space, um, to have that understanding that that's your base setting can make it so much easier to interact with people. And all of a sudden it becomes less of a personal infringement and more of just like, okay, well, maybe I need to express that I need this better. And I right. understand that I need this on an innate level. Um, so it gives you a more, it actually empowers you more to be able to speak up for yourself and speak up for your needs. When you, like you said before, you have the validation, you understand that a little bit more on your base level. And that then gives you the ability to express that more clearly to others as well. Two things that come up for me when talking about my moon in Sagittarius mm -hmm. is one, I talked about this on the podcast a few weeks ago, is that I feel like a lot of us, many of us, specifically women, but truly everyone gets an underlying belief or something put upon them when they're young, like this, like foundational lie, like you take up too much space or you, you know, whatever it is. And mine that I always, that I come back to when I'm in a dark place is that I'm too much to handle. And I've felt, I mean, I have, I remember feeling that and dealing with that for so long, like for as long as I can even remember that I would be worried that I was too much, whether it's too boisterous, too outspoken, too opinionated, too loud, too emotional, too everything. And yeah. so like that moon in Sagittarius and that communication and that emotion, like where does that fit in? I mean, just as you're saying all of that, that makes total sense, honestly, in the sense that like your, your emotional body is highly attuned to the fact that you sense and you have this um, probably innate need to, to be expansive, to be ever expanding in your learning, in your emotional body, in your mm -hmm. healing, you know, in your every aspect of life. You, you probably feel the need to expand, but because that's where your emotional seat is. And be also, again, I would say that corresponds with your sun and Pisces placement as well. Right. Um, and the ascendant in Libra. See, this is where you start to draw the correlations between different points in the chart because your moon sign and your sun sign and your ascendant are all about expansion and balance, expansion and balance. So the Libra is very much needing to feeling the need to bring yourself back into like rain this rain yourself in. So you're not going too much one direction. Yep. And that's what you have this need to project, but also you're probably emotionally feeling this need to grow this need to expand, to be more, to be, to just be if expansive. And 
with the sun in Pisces, you know, that probably does come across in, in more of an emotional way where you're, you are hyper aware and hyper intuitive without even realizing it, that you were picking up on all those subtle cues from everybody else. So it can be very, like you said, that sponge effect, right? So even if it was just one person ever who made you feel like you were too much, that gets internalized very easily and starts to become the narrative. Um, and so for me, you know, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sounds like that is a narrative that is something that will be part of your growth and your learning and will allow you to, you know, will maybe even be the catalyst to allow you to take up as much room as you need to and not mm-hmm. feel bad for it, you know, Oof. but we're again, having that moon sign understanding that, okay, my, my emotional body sits in the sign of greatest expansion of greatest wonder of greatest knowledge of greatest learning of of again like Sagittarius is the sign of of philosophers of teachers um of gurus you know like all these different leadership roles that require expansion and require us to look beyond the bounds of of normalcy in a lot of ways of what is acceptable but understanding that (laughs) you know it's and that's the thing right it's intense and it's it's that's that may continue to be a a friction point for you. But what that immediately says to me is that that's something that working with your chart, working with that understanding of these different placements. And that's something that too, you know, if we were actually to do like a sit down reading, we'd probably go into more of the aspects between the different planets. Right. Um, Because how different planets interact with one another create, you know, can create points of friction in your chart. I did some energy healing work a couple times with someone that I adore. And we talked a little bit about astrology and she asked me for my sun, my moon and my rising. And I told her, and she was basically like, Oh honey. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, what, 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 hey, what, are you, what does it mean? <laughs> yeah. I know. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what that means, but you look concerned. And she was like, have you just, have you had a rough go of it? Have you like your life, whole life just felt really pulled in all these different directions. And like, you're not, and just, is it confusing sometimes? And I was like, yes. And you know, like it's that when someone starts to say that you're like, oh, they're, they're, they're a wizard. Like, right, <laughs> like how, right. do you, how do you know this? <laughs> um, but it was also interesting because what she said to me, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is that, and it was the first, this was the first time all these things really started to click for me was a few months ago when this woman said this to me because she was like well Pisces really is like a little bit of everything yeah so I and I told her I said this feels so silly and this feels so like I'm trying to like pat myself on the back or something but whenever people ask like oh are you introverted or extroverted or are you this or that I always felt silly because I always wanted to be like all of it Mm -hmm. I genuinely feel all of it. I never can pick one thing or another thing. I feel this way. Cause some people are like, I'm strictly extroverted right. or I'm, you know, I'm just using that as an example. Cause that gets talked to extrovert and introvert gets talked about a lot, but I, she was like, well, it makes sense because it's a little bit of everything that you would feel. You feel all of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> does that, does that, is that right? Or does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I totally agree. I mean, and that is the thing with Pisces. I mean, Pisces is the, you know, in the sign of, in the Zodiac signs, Pisces is the last sign. So yes. if you think about it, in the level of a learning journey throughout the Zodiac, 
you know, we start with Aries, which is basically the baby of the Zodiac. Pisces is the end, you know, Pisces is you've yeah. gone through everything you've lived through everything you've seen everything. And all you, what you're left with is the emotional body of knowledge of everything that you've experienced. Mm. And so like you said, especially having that, having that be your sun sign, having that be the, basically the sponge point. Yeah. Not only do you feel everything, you feel everything from everybody else too. And while that's a beautiful way to, to learn vicariously, right. It can be a really cool way of, of learning and experiencing vicariously. It, like you said, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. because you're so energetically aware of all these different things that, you know, maybe some people simply are not aware of. And I um, love, I can already see what you're saying about how learning these different things makes sense because I've always resonated with Pisces, but I did sometimes think to myself like, but the stereotypes about Pisces are just that almost like they're weak because they're right, so right. emotional Which I hate and, they're, that. and I hate that too. <laughs> but, but then I, I think of all the other things we've already talked about and we haven't even gone through everything, but like, I'm really fascinated by this piece of Libra. Cause I'm like, well, that's my like strive for justice. And that's mm-hmm. my, that's my desire to be like fixing things. And the Pisces part, like I can already see how this is helpful. I'm just so excited. I'll, I'll shut up. You keep going. Oh, no, 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 not at all. And that's, <laughs> but that's the thing, right? It's like, and this is where, again, when you're looking at it in singularity, when you're looking at just your sun sign. Yeah, maybe for some people, there, there are even a lot of aspects of that that really resonate. But when you start looking at it in context of your entire chart, in context of the houses, which gives the context in the first place, right? And then where these different planets fall, how the different planets interact, you start to really get more of a picture of all the different facets of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's where, again, like that's where to me, your Libra ascendant was really striking, where, you know, that is something that's hugely important to you. Right. And probably feels really frustrating when people are saying that Pisces is weak or Pisces is this. Yes. You're too effusive. You're too ephemeral. You're indecisive, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, if I am indecisive, it's only because I want to make the right choice. And I want that choice to be fair. And I want that choice to be right for everybody. You know, that's that Libra ascendant coming in and needing that balance and needing that level of fairness. Um, And also the thing is with Libra, because it's an air sign and intellectually, you can, you're weighing situations all the time. So not only it's not indecision, it's literally, well, I can see the pros on here and I can see the pros on this side and I can see the cons over here and the cons over here. That's my answer. Like, what do you want? (laughs) If I had a dime for every time I made a pro con list in my life, I swear. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the thing, right? It all starts to make more sense. And then the other um, thing, probably if we just go through the kind of what we call the personal planets today, and then I'll kind of briefly summarize what the other kind of more outer planets mean but for sure. you we already talked about your sun moon and mercury the other two personal planets are mars and venus okay um so these are the ones that are closest to the earth right so the personal planets are the ones that when we're looking at those in your chart this is typically the sun the moon mercury mars and venus and your ascendant sign those are all things that we kind of look at to see how you interact with the world how you interact with situations and contexts Um, the other planets, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, those are typically more of your externalized life, right? So those are, you know, like I said, those are, those are slower moving planets. They, they kind of, a larger group of people will have those planets in the same placement. And those are typically more to do with your external world. Um, so with you having your, your Mars and Venus are actually 
very, very close together. Um, they're not, they're, they're almost what we would call conjunct, which is at the same point in the chart. Okay. Um, and they're both in Aquarius. So yay, Aquarius. My, my rising <laughs> sign. <laughs> um, so that's really interesting to me. And actually, I'm going to pull up my notes here that I made on your chart because having the, your, Mar your Mars and Venus often are relatively close together because they move at kind of similar rates. Okay. Um, but your Venus sign is basically, if you think about typical Venusian traits, right? You're thinking about money, about love, about, you know, abundance, your, your beauty, what you consider to be beautiful. Here we go. Also, Th here we go. Yeah, this is the good stuff right here. <laughs> this is the good stuff. <laughs> Tell me about my love life right? and my money. Right. So in Aquarius, right? So right off the bat, and this kind of also fits in with your Pluto uh, in the second house in the sign of Scorpio. Aquarius is, again, it's, it's a revolutionary sign. Aquarius is a fixed air sign and it embodies uh, basically like lack of conventionality. Aquarius is the rebel. Aquarius is the sign that is misunderstood by pretty much everybody, but that's simply because we like to be individuals. And mm -hmm. if we feel too understood, we're going to change something because we don't want to be understood because we don't want to be normal. We want to be God, Aquarius Oh, love it. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you. It's so entertaining. Um, but it's again, because it's an air sign, it is very intellectual in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. And so for you, you may find that in terms of love, um, in terms of what you attract in partners, you may find that you attract people on a very intellectual level. So over conversation, or you're really attracted to people based on conversation topics or um, communication. Mm -hmm. And you may also find again, which kind of fits in with that moon and Sagitt as Sagittarius as well. There may be kind of an innate discomfort with feeling boxed into something or too, <laughs> too tied into something, unless you feel like you have that freedom to grow, that freedom to expand, to be unique. Um, and that is something that a lot of Aquarians struggle with. And it can obviously hit in different points of your chart, depending on where Aquarius falls for you. But a lot of times it's, it's very subtle. Um, and so you may never feel consciously like you need freedom in a relationship or you need space, like mental space in your romantic relationships. But if you don't have that, all of a sudden you start to get this weird sort of claustrophobic feeling like, I don't know what it is, but I feel suffocated. And I can't even pinpoint why, but I just do. Um, that's could very I, much could I perhaps project this so my partners are are mm -hmm. feeling that way. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I've projected that and not wanted to feel it myself, but have yeah, a partner it's... that's like, oh, I'm feeling claustrophobic. And I'm like, why? I'm fine. Right. And see, that's the other thing. You're also probably in some ways drawn to it because you, you, you recognize that as something that you, you like, oh, I, I feel that way too. So it's attractive. Mm. But if there's not actually the, the foundation there to allow space, and still have it be a harmonious relationship very quickly it's going to start doing this right you're going to start pulling apart and not quite know what happened yeah <laughs> and there is definitely the venus in aquarius is definitely something where intellectualizing your feelings is probably something that happens fairly regularly it's just, it's a safer way to process the information like i said aquarius is the scientist right mm -hmm. and so a way that i always like to <laughs> like to explain Aquarian energy is that it's almost like if you kind of imagine this 
scientist who's looking outside the world and looking down and the world is their little petri dish and they they really care about the things in the petri dish but ultimately they like to be not in the petri dish right they mm. want to be the scientist looking at it and, and observing and seeing all these things and really like wow i totally understand this they're like i really feel for these people they're going through a hard time if you put aquarius in the petri dish oh my gosh we get so uncomfortable. We're just like, whoa, okay, I'm used to observing this. I'm used to being the person that everyone comes to to talk to about these things. Ooh. That's another thing you might find. Oh, And you, you're probably the perfect person because you're like, no, I get it. And again, you hold space for them in a way that is w- completely without judgment, completely without any kind of rigidity. It's just, you know, it's just you holding space for the person, which is amazing. But that probably becomes, again, with partners, you probably attract partners who want to have you be their therapist in a lot of ways. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah, I do know. <laughs> <laughs> and again, unintentionally. And that's, again, this is where the fact that you said earlier that you're learning ways to create better boundaries around your energy. That's huge because there are a lot of things in your chart that I could see that that would be an issue for you just with other people and being a social person, being someone who actively wants to help other people. It's very easy for that to transmute into giving your energy to everyone and allowing people to take of your energy. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's something people pick up, you know, very quickly they pick up, oh, this is an intuitive. This is someone that I can communicate with freely and clearly and they respect my opinion you know, that's, that's becomes very easy for people to even unintentionally take advantage of that. I've talked Um, a lot about this on my platforms, especially, you know, in 2020 for all mm, of the craziness that that year was, um, that one of the biggest lessons I learned is to be able to ask for help because traditionally I, I've said out loud so many times, I'm so much more comfortable being the person people come to. I want to uh-huh. psychoanalyze. I want to be the scientist. I yep. don't want to ask for help. I don't want to need help. I want to be the help. Like that was, yeah. you know, I had kind of like a mental health crash last year. And that was the moment where I had to look at myself in the mirror and literally be like, you have to ask for help. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, that, that's something that's hard. Yeah. It's hard for all of us to just from an egoic level, right. It's hard oh, for all of us to get to that point. My ego was out of its mind. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. But that's great. I mean, and that's, you know, it's, it's that type of thing where coming to understand that that is something that is innately a, a difficulty for you asking for help. And again, I can see that with, you know, especially that ascendant in Libra and also your Mars in Aquarius. Um, that's something that the Mars in Aquarius, especially, you know, I have it down here, like you need to feel independent. And part <laughs> of that independence is being able to handle your own problems, right? And feeling like yes. you've got everything under control. Um, and that was something I found with my first house in Aquarius, my ascendant being Aquarius, I have the same thing. I, I feel very much like if I need to present this facade of I have everything under control, don't worry about it. I'm the person other people come to. Everything's under control here. It's all good. Go back to your stations, you know. Yeah, and it's my, control, my control issues have been a consistent topic of conversation in therapy <laughs> for the last few years. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. And that's the thing, you know, and it's, it's, learning about some of these different aspects might give you another another set of tools to explore that 
you know, and to mm. work with that energy and to overcome those difficulties and actually begin to embody that in a way that is, feels really positive for you versus feels like something that holds you back or feels like something that restricts you. Um, you know, but uh, like, you know, doing all the right things, understanding it first is, is that first step, right? So like I said, having the Venus and Mars in Aquarius, yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. And, you know, again, you know, having that need to feel unique, to be unique, kind of taking pride in that and feeling that that somehow negates others being able to help you yes. is also something that I would definitely see, especially with both of these planets being in Aquarius. This is so um, interesting and, looking at some of your notes here. Like it just, feels, yeah, you know, I, yeah like... I figured I just put that up there and like, you can see it, but yeah. And I mean, like, you know, having the Mars and Aquarius, especially that to me really stuck out in terms of your social justice background, because that is mm -hmm. something Mars, Mars placements are Mars is the warrior, right? Mars is the warrior planet. And having that placement in Aquarius, um, like I said, Aquarius is about social justice in a lot of ways. Aquarius is, is known as the water bearer. Um, and it said mm. that the water it carries is actually the emotions and the, the, um, the worries of humanity. And oh, wow. Aquarius carries that on his back. So it's a pretty intense visual of that sign. Yeah. Um, and obviously there's, you know, so it makes sense as to why we might feel the need to intellectualize, right? Because when you're carrying, and for you having your son and Mercury and Pisces, you probably feel this all the time. Like it's safer. I can feel emotionally clearer when I can intellectualize these things because it's too yes. much to carry, you know? Um, Maybe having passive Mars, aggressive. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh no, that's, that's another thing. Having the Mar <laughs> Mars and Aquarius, because it's a very rational, again, it's fixed air. It's very, very rational there may be a tendency for passive aggression, passive aggression or suppression of frustrating, you know, frustrations, anger, that kind of thing. Doesn't even have to be like, you know, super intense anger, but it just could be irritations, right? That you just, it's just, I'm feeling this way, but it doesn't feel rational. So I'm just going to put it in a box because I don't feel validated for feeling it because it feels irrational. <laughs> oh my gosh. What you just said, like hit me in the gut. Oh it's, man. <laughs> because it's not that I feel like there's so many situations where I've become upset over something and it's, I do more damage telling myself I shouldn't be upset about it or suppressing yeah. it than just freaking dealing with it yeah. right off the bat and moving forward. And instead like holding this in, either thinking, I shouldn't be feeling this. So I'm not going to voice it because it's silly or it's not necessary or whatever it is. But then it becomes a problem because I'm suppressing all that. And I'm holding this grudge against someone that really isn't about them anymore. Right. But it's, it's becoming about yourself, right? It's becoming about myself, but it's being reflected out where absolutely. it started. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And see, that's another one. So, right. So now you're, now you're kind of hold in on these different aspects of the chart that all interact so mm -hmm. not only would I say that that's probably coming from your Mars and Aquarius that's also coming from that moon in Sagittarius that's mm. also coming from that ascendant in Libra that needs to again needs the rationality needs to feel like this is somehow logical before it can be real but also having that emotional seat in Sag which is very much again about 
not wanting to feel too much, being anxious about yeah. how this could be perceived, but also maybe not wanting to feel that depth of emotion because that's kind of uncomfortable. So I might just ignore that for now because it's a little, it's, I'm feeling like it's too much. So therefore, obviously no one else wants to hear about it because it's going to be too much. And, you know, having all these, all these things that you can start to break down in that way and, and pinpoint those different, again, those base settings, how you then work with that trait can be really different, you know, because again, now you can, you can have more compassion when you start to do that or start to feel that way or do the projection. That's another thing that Aquarians are really, really good for is projecting. (laughs) We're great (laughs) at that. Um, Totally unintentionally usually as well, but we're just like, oh yeah, I don't know why, you know, why this is happening. It's kind of like, well, you're probably not dealing with something. That's why. You're making it happen. (laughs) Right. But having first of all recognizing what's going on having compassion for it and then this is where the free will part comes in so this is where again you know I understand and I do it too when we kind of joke about like oh it's the full moon's fault or oh it's it's because Mercury's retrograde it's it's again it's fun it's it's cool it's totally fine to do that in play but when you actually take responsibility for your base settings and can say okay I'm aware that this is my tendency I hold compassion for that tendency. I respect that tendency. I know it's there to keep me safe. How can I work with that tendency to overcome it, to, to move beyond it? Um, It's there to keep me safe. That's, that's beautiful. It's yeah. And you know, a lot of our, a lot of our base tendencies, typically, especially the negative ones comes from this place in ourselves of needing to feel safe. And this is a construct that has been created or you've witnessed enough times that it's become your reality that we've created this way that works every time to keep us safe. It doesn't healthy. It doesn't mean it's helpful for us or other people, but it works right on an egoic level. It works to keep you safe. Um, And especially with Aquarian energy, you know, I always kind of joke about Aquarians love to run upstairs to the brain. (laughs) <laughs> because that's our little, that's our little ivory tower. It's safe up there. We can, we can put everything in order. We can make sense of it. And while that's a really amazing quality, it doesn't necessarily help when you're really trying to work through feelings or trying to right. learn how to cope with feelings or learn how to express feelings in a way that's actually constructive. But having the understanding and knowing what the base settings are like you said before, it gives you that validation. It gives you the ability to maybe have more compassion for yourself when your, your ego mind is telling you, well, that's just stupid. That's irrational. That's, you know, you're being silly. You can step back a little bit and be like, no, there is, this is, this is seated in reality. Even if what I'm feeling is unhelpful, it is based in reality and it's real for me. How can I then work with that? Yes. You know, and even just having, you know, reframing that and having those different patterns of thought around some of those more difficult traits or difficult patterns that keep coming up in our lives. Ultimately, that is kind of the point of astrology. It gives you the blueprint so that you can work with it and grow. Right. And, you know, work with your sign, work with your Mars and Aquarius, for example, to yeah. embody, embody the, the best parts of that placement, you know, which is this incredible need to stand up for people who can't stand up for themselves to defend everyone's right to be unique and to be equal and, you know, have those incredible traits of Mars and Aquarius. And then, you know, also be able to deal with the more difficult sides of that placement and, and grow and learn through that to overcome them. 
I feel like, especially when we were talking about the Venus and Mars, where some of the things that, you know, I, I have to work on a little bit more are coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah. I'm just imagining what, um, how helpful it would be to get in a relationship and be like, let's get our birth charts read together because yep. damn, if this wouldn't have helped. <laughs> it's honestly, it's so, and there's a whole, I mean, there's a whole realm of astrology that's dedicated to that. It's called sinistry astrology. Um, but it's honestly, it's really helpful. And yeah. I, the one thing I say is it's really important to not judge because obviously when you're then, when you have, it can become ammunition, right? So when you like, oh, it's, you're only doing this because your Venus is in Taurus and like, you know, without, without taking it to the accusatory level, it's like, I did that for, for me and my partner as well. And it's like knowing how he communicates on yeah. a base level versus how I communicate on a base level where, okay, now that I understand that, where may there be difficulties there or how can I handle this more maturely when there is a breakdown in communication, for example, yeah. if that's happening or there's a, a misunderstanding, I'm going to approach that differently now that I understand what your communication style is. So it's, just, it's a very similar thing to when people talk about love languages, right? Understand yeah. what your partner's love language is, what your love language is. It's the same concept. Understanding that base setting of yourself, of your partner and how those then fit together. Yeah. Is super, it's actually super important and I would definitely recommend it. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. This is, my head is spinning, but in a really good way. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that is the thing. It's like, it's a, it's a lot of information. Um, and obviously, you know, like you said, we haven't even touched on everything. I'm just going to hop back over to your chart real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go too much into the, the outer planets right now, but just to briefly kind of run through what they mean and like how they can, how they can hit you on your chart. Um, so Jupiter, which is kind of the first of the outer planets is next in line in terms of its distance to earth. Okay. So Jupiter is the planet of kind of luck of good fortune, um, of expansion. So it's, it's the ruler of Sagittarius traditionally. Um, mm. so it holds a lot of the similar traits, you know, has that growth, that expansion. Um, so again, if you look at where Jupiter is in your chart, that can show you first of all, where you may feel drawn to grow um, Hmm. or to learn more about or to expand in. Um, It can also also show you where you may have a little more luck or good fortune. Hmm. Um, So for you, just briefly, like yours is in Virgo. Your your Jupiter is in Virgo. So it's also in your 12th house. So it's sitting right behind your ascendant. Jupiter in the 12th house is actually seen as one of the luckiest placements of Jupiter because it's in your house of subconscious. So it's basically sitting right. It's got your back, right? If you think about it like that, it's it's sitting right behind you. And so it's basically just kind of this sense of like, I don't know why, but everything always kind of works out. Even when it's difficult, things just kind of work out and everything's okay. So that's a really, like, that's a super, super cool placement right there. But being in the sign of Virgo, which is all about health and healing. Again, this to me is like, okay, so you may feel a need to expand into health and healing and feeling helpful, feeling helpful for doing that, facilitating that for other people. There seems to be a theme here. (laughs) Yeah, it's really, it's really cool. Um, And then Saturn is, Saturn is always seen as one of the more difficult planets. Um, It's sort of, its archetype is very much the father figure um, Mm. in, in terms of tradition. And it's, it can be seen as the, the taskmaster in astrology. So it's, it's a little bit more of the stern lessons, um, the lessons that may not be super pleasant, but that 
ultimately are probably some of the best ways to actually learn about yourself mm. and grow, but it's not easy. Yep. Um, can be a little harsh sometimes. Um, Uranus is the next planet and that is kind of the planet of change. Again, it's, it's similar. It's one of the Aquarius has actually got two planetary rulers. So it traditionally Aquarius was ruled by Saturn. And then when they discovered Uranus, they're like, okay, actually, you know what Uranus needs to be the ruler of Aquarius. Hmm. So it's kind of got some similar traits to Aquarius, very revolutionary planet. Um, also has a lot to do with electricity, which I find fascinating. Um, hmm. Quick, you know, quick change, global change, um, you know, basically just radical movements of, of revolution effectively. Yeah. Um, Neptune is the traditional ruler of Pisces. It's the planet of dreams. It's a very watery planet. Um, belief systems, um, that whole type of, that kind of archetype of, like I said, a lot of the same art, art is another one, very similar to Pisces traits. And then Pluto, as we already talked about, is the, the planet of transformation of basically death and regeneration yep. and kind of sweeping change in terms of typically in your own life, um, just kind of that very much that sort of Phoenix energy. Um, so like I said, I mean, once, you know, you can basically pull up your birth chart, you can, as I said, you, you know, make sure you're starting at the nine o'clock point, you read counterclockwise around the chart. And you can start to see there's usually some really helpful little keys on any of these platforms that you can get a free birth chart and you can look at the little key and find out what each symbol corresponds to. Um, you can look at what sign your different houses are in. You can look at what planets are in what sign. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I mean, there's a, even just a quick glance, you know, even if you just look at, as you did, even if you just look at your sort of sun, moon and rising sign, that can already tell you a lot about. Yeah you know, about your personality, about your, your tendencies, your traits. Um, and, you know, obviously if, if you wanted to go deeper into it and actually get a reading, you know, this is basically what we'd go through. And typically the way that I, I structure my readings is obviously kind of see where the person's level of astrology is first and go through right. some of the basics that we've gone through today, but also, you know, I'll basically then walk them through each of the planets in their, okay. in their birth chart and each of the houses in relation to the planets and what, and, and typically we end up going through more of the aspects as, as well. And, and what that could mean in terms of how easily or more difficult those planets or expressions are happening in your chart. So I have a question. Yes. My 29th birthday is next month. Really? And, and I do a reading. And I, oh, that's fine with me. That's not even where I was going, but yes, please. I, um, oh, good. <laughs> I have heard about Saturn's return mm -hmm. in the 29th year and it has me nervous. Can you, <laughs> can you, can you just like briefly say what that is? Yes. So any planet's return is basically when it comes back around to the same point in your birth chart that it was in when you were born. So your birthday is your solar return every year, right? So basically your Saturn return is when Saturn comes back to the same point as it, it, was, as it was on when you were born. Mm -hmm. And typically what this means is that it's, it usually lasts for about two years, two and a half years. Um, and it's, it's a pretty fundamental point of growth, really, is how I would describe it. It's usually where you sort of look back and it's kind of ironic because it typically happens, like you said, between 29 and 31, depending on how intuitive and how sensitive you are to those energies. Um, it basically is a point where you may find yourself looking back over your life and 
really evaluating where you want to go next. Um, so it's a point where you can often find that things or people are leaving your life and mm. perhaps new things and people are coming into your life. There's a, a little bit of a shakeup there. And can so it, it can happen be very early because um, that's how yeah. 2020 felt like 20, my 28th year yeah, was absolutely. like a complete blow up <laughs> like of yeah. everything. Yeah. And I mean, especially for you, because you are, you know, you are that very much that Pisces energy of, of being intuitively aware of the energies. Right. So if you're probably going to be more sensitive to when things are happening. Okay. Um, so it is, it's, it's a, it's a little bit more of a stern lesson process. Um, my advice would be to go with it, um, to try to be as conscious and aware of what's really happening versus how it mm. might feel. Um, so that's a big thing. Um, I had my Saturn return. Mine actually started kind of the same. Mine, I, I felt that mine was starting at about 28 and a half. Um, and Saturn is one of those energies that if you were, if you work with it rather than against it, the whole process can actually be incredibly freeing. Mm if you're, if you're fighting against it, because it can be very uncomfortable, right? There's, it's, it's typically a lot of change. It's a lot of internal restructuring usually. And because of that, it requires a lot of clearing out of old energies. Basically that's what's happening is those old energies are being cleared out to make space for the new. Oh, that's, that's so very disruptive. That's so interesting because the whole reason I started working with my energy healer was literally because I kept telling her, I don't know. I just have this intuitive sense that there's energy in me that needs to move and it won't move on its own. That just gave me chills. Wow. Yeah. See, so that's the thing. So intuitively you already know what's happening and you're already taking, it sounds like really great steps to work with that energy. So I would honestly tell you, just continue doing more of the same, mm -hmm. be really, you know, as much as you can try to be open to the changes um, <laughs> rather than trying to like grab on to too many things. We and established I have control <laughs> issues here. <laughs> so that would definitely be a recommendation. And honestly, like just engage that curious, playful part of yourself, you know, really be open to the changes, explore them, you know, see it as a way to learn about yourself, which it sounds like you're doing already, you know, use it as a way to explore different opportunities. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's more of an intense, again, you know, Saturn is, again, it's more of that father archetype, right? So it is more of a learning process and it's, it's not sugarcoated, you know? And so there may be some points where it feels really uncomfortable and it feels very jarring because it's kind of that unfiltered truth, right? Yeah. But through that, you can actually use it to really speed up the process. If you can go with that, un, you know, unfiltered truth and just cut through all the stuff and work with the energy, you can clear things out that really do create a lot more space for you to grow into who you're going to be. Um, so pretty Ooh. much anytime you have a return of anything, you know, it's a chance to clear. It's a chance to, you know, renew yourself. It's, you know, everyone at their birthday usually has, okay, this year I'm going to try to do these things for myself, or I'm going to grow into this space or, you know, attempt these new things that I've been always wanted to try. Same thing with the Saturn return. It just lasts a little bit longer and it is typically can, can be a little bit more of a roller coaster ride, but, um, sounds like you're doing all the right things and don't, don't fear it. It's, um, it might feel more heavy. And I think for you, especially, you may feel it as more of a heavy energy. Um, but 
again, just keeping it in context of this is something that is there to work with you and there to help you create the best version of your life that you can. Mm-hmm. And to, to actually learn how the biggest thing for me, with the Saturn return is it's, it's helping you learn how to embody the change that you want. Mm. And that requires so much growth and so much shift and change that it's super uncomfortable Oof. in a lot of ways. But if you can keep that as your foundation, you know, that'll, that'll help. Oh man. What a perfect way to end. Cause I like went through all of the uh oh parts of the chart and then like came back to like no 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 keep doing what you're doing so I'll take that for sure absolutely absolutely so for anybody listening who's like I'm inspired I want to work with Kat how do I get a hold of you I want my birth chart read tell tell people how they can get a hold of you and work with you yeah, absolutely. So I, I am in the process of getting my website up and running, but for now um, you can email me. So my email is um, embodiedguidance at gmail.com. Um, and I'm the same on Instagram. If you can always message me on Instagram, it's my handle is at embodiedguidance on Instagram. Perfect. So I'll put yeah, just shoot me an email. In the show notes. Fantastic. Yeah. And we can, you know, we can work together and figure out your birth chart. And yeah, Carly, I would love to do a reading for you for your birthday. I would absolutely love to do that for you. Oh, thank you so much. That sounds, this has been honestly, of course, right? That's how the universe works. Just what I needed. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I'm so glad. And yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been, this has been such a great conversation. Yes, I love it. I have a deep intuitive feeling that we will connect more and more in the future because this was absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I loved that conversation, of course, because we were reading my birth chart, but also just because of how accessible Kat makes the conversation around astrology and the stars and everything else. I hope you look her up on Instagram and give her a follow. If you want to help me grow this podcast, send it to a friend, text it to a family member, share on social media and tag me. Whatever you can do helps me out. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and you could be read on air as a review of the week. And if you haven't already, head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly to see what I'm up to over there. Until next time.